Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode 301 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and The Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are watching me live right now. As always, we remind you, please make sure that you're subscribed and you click that little notification bell. And uh, if you can't catch the live video every Monday, subscribe to whatever uh, podcast platform that you prefer. Just go to Montero Unboxing. Just search for Montero Unboxing, The Neutral Corner, and you will find me. Subscribe, like, review, thumbs up, all that stuff. Ratings, we need all that, all right? It helps tremendously. So this is TNC 301 for the week of February 19th. I just want to remind you guys once again that the latest issue of Ring, this is the April issue, is out, all right? So if you are a subscriber, you should have already got this one. If not, you can go grab this, pick this up in the stores. Um, and a few of you that have read my articles in this one have reached out. Just let me know how much you enjoy them. I appreciate that, guys. Um, as you know, me and the wife took a little bit of a weekend off, and we chilled and just kind of got off the grid a little bit. We ended up going to a, a little town like two hours outside of Atlanta. Uh, it's kind of halfway between here and Nashville, Tennessee, right in the middle. And it's got just enough of everything you need, but it's tiny not too many people, so we could kind of just get away, unplug the phones. I tweeted a couple times. I uh, posted a couple of Instagram videos, just, you know, food and me being silly, just stuff like that. But uh, no boxing until I got back home. And then, of course, I caught up on everything. Also, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Hope that uh, you are with the one you love today, even if that is your right or left hand. Oh, I'll be here all week, folks. Tip your waitress. No, seriously, I hope you guys are having a great Valentine's. Uh, me and the wife uh, are just chilling, hanging out after our great weekend together. And uh, it was good. I kind of recharged my batteries a little bit. I was worn out. And now I'm ready to get back into the groove of things. So let's get right into this news and notes. All right. So first, I ain't going to talk football long, but I got to bring up Super Bowl. Los Angeles Rams. I told you guys the Rams would win. Now, I thought they were going to win big. I got to give the Bengals credit. They played very, very well. They made it really, really close. 23-10 to 10 for the Rams over the Bengals. Cooper Cup was the MVP, and I thought that was well-deserved. Aaron Donald was right there. You could have maybe gave it to Donald, but I thought that Cup did a little bit more consistently throughout the game, and ultimately you got to put up points. And Cup had that game-winning touchdown, right? He had also several key first downs, both running the ball and passing. And he does uh, a lot of key blocks that helped Odell Beckham earlier in the game. Um, so it even helped out Stafford a little bit. So uh, eight receptions, 92 yards, two touchdowns. Like I said, several key first downs, several key blocks earlier in the game when he wasn't necessarily catching balls. But he was setting up great, great blocks and picks that were helping other receivers out. Uh, that's something that you don't see in the stat columns, but um, it, it matters. And he, the dude's a baller. So, uh, honestly, I think that the L.A. Rams have the best offensive player in the league in Cooper Cup, and they have the best defensive player in the league in Aaron Donald. So it remains to be seen if Donald's going to stick around or not because he's getting up there in age, plays a tough position. If he does stick around, that'd be awesome. But right now, the Rams, I mean, when you have the best offensive weapon and the best defensive player in the league on your team, uh, yeah, it's it, it's hard uh, or it, it's not that difficult. I'm, I'm going to say it's not that difficult to win the Super Bowl, but uh, you're always going to be in a hunt is what I was trying to say. You're always going to be a threat. Um, I got to also say this. 
the overall packaging of the Super Bowl and the whole halftime show and the pregame show that's like 18 hours long and the commercials, it just feels overly processed and a shell of its former glory. Now, I realize I probably sound like my dad and, you know, uh, just the way he ended up sounding like his dad. We all end up sounding like our parents, right? But I just feel like it, the Super Bowl, it's so overly processed and generic now, and it's so overly safe. And there's a lot of hypocrisy with the way that they market it and things like that. Um, a lot of people were upset at the halftime show and some of the politics related to it. I don't really give a shit. I never really watched that. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, look at the halftime show. I'm not that guy, okay? <laughs> that won't make it somewhere on the internet. Um, I'm, I'm just, I don't give a shit. And I don't care uh, about the commercials. That all peaked in the 90s when, you know, like having a, a game-changing Super Bowl commercial, right? That hasn't happened in decades. Now it's something people tweet about for 24 to 48 hours, and then they move on. But there used to be Super Bowl commercials that literally changed companies. You know, like Apple, for example, was the first breakthrough Super Bowl ad where sales go up 60, 70%. I mean, things like that happened with Super Bowl ads. Now no one gives a shit. People tweet about it a little bit. But everyone has this <clears throat> nostalgia and they want to make it, oh, this is just like the 85 Super Bowl. And this is just like when Prince played or Michael Jackson played in the half the half times. No, it's not. Shut up. It's it's not. It's never gonna be that again. And it's okay. This this is different, but let it be what it is now. Um, I will say this: if I could get a commercial-free and a politics-free, groveling-free, preach-free, preaching-free version of the Super Bowl. I would pay for it. If there was a pay-per-view version where I didn't have to hear any of the bullshit commentary and all the politics shoehorned in, and I could skip the halftime show and skip all the woke commercials that are preaching to me and all, if I could, I'd pay 50 bucks. I'd happily pay 50 bucks for a game that's supposed to be free here in the United States. If that ever becomes an option, I will be ordering that. All right, anyway, guys. Um, Trey says, boomer's going to boomer, Mike. I'm not a boomer. I'm Gen X. It's the boomers that have gotten us here. It's the boomers that have ruined everything, like the Super Bowl and like all forms of entertainment. Uh, and now it's just overly safe, overly generic. So uh, real quick about the halftime show. Again, I, I'm not going to get into all the politics, the, the, the underlying politics and, and all that behind it. It's just, you know, I do find it kind of funny that the two headliners were Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, right? These are guys in their 50s that wear jeans and talk in a vernacular that they should have grown out of in their 20s, okay? Because we all kind of talk like that. I know I, I sure did. But these guys are like holding on to like this act and this this gimmick from, from their youth. And it, it just, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look right when a 55-year-old dude like Dre with a beer gut and a receding hairline is rapping. It just does, it, the, the optics don't work. And it, they were lip syncing. They weren't even really rapping, right? And then what's funny is, you know, all the the politics right now and what's going on in the NFL, uh, Brian Flores, his lawsuit and what it's alleging and uh, what's happening to Joe Rogan because of a clip that went out, uh, a mashed up clip taking certain things he said out of context. 
Dre and Snoop said what Joe Rogan said 18 billion times in their records. They talked about murdering cops. They talked about killing Whitey. They talked to, you know, uh, Snoop's last album, the president was dead on the cover next to him. It, like he had shot, murdered the, the former president, like all this stuff. And no one cares, you know, and everyone's just trying to, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just kind of funny. It, it just, I, do I give a shit? No, I don't care. One dude was in the halftime show. I didn't even know who he was. The dude with the braids. I didn't even know who that was. Someone had to tell me who he was. Uh, 50 Cent was there. He looked a little pudgy, looked a little past his prime. And again, when I'm thinking of like in the club, like that video, right? This, the video for his song in the club. Um, he was in his physical prime. He was ripped. He was jacked. And like that is when I picture rap, that's what I'm picturing. And now he's this pudgy dude with a gut and, you know, his arms are kind of, I don't know what's going on there. It, it just, the optics don't work, dude. It's just, it, it, by the way, when they have an 80-year-old rock band like Aerosmith or something and they do the halftime show, it, it's the same kind of thing. The only difference is you could play an instrument for the rest of your life. So, like, if, if you are in a band, whether it's an R&B band, rock, uh, funk, soul, whatever, it is, if you're playing music and playing instruments, you can literally do that until you're 90 years old. Now, if you're trying to be this, like, rebellious rock star and you're 80 – and, you know, you got like a, a beer gut and your your hairline's back here. You got like a five head. You don't have a forehead anymore. You have a five head. It just doesn't look right. You know, you're wearing extensions or a wig or something. So, like, I would be saying the same shit if it was like a, a rock concert, you know. Um, it's just, you know, I, I grew up on hip hop. I grew up in, in, in those communities when hip hop was really still an underground thing and exploding. So I, I kind of look at it almost as, as something that I was personally connected to when I was young. And now it's just become generic pop music. There's really no difference, you know? And um, to me, if you're performing in the Super Bowl, regardless of what genre of music you're in, if you're performing in the halftime show, you are a 100% corporate bought entity that has sold the fuck out. And that's everybody that did the halftime show yesterday and every year before, that's what they were. Now, you go back 20, 30, 40 years, different different but now it, it it really is you're just trying to you know you got a new project coming out or something there's always some sort of like networking thing involved and some sort of corporation that's in charge of it all and i don't know i just i don't really give a shit about any of that i i just don't care i just watch the game um it, it just has the feeling of some of the really big vegas fights you know like i've talked about that before where the super big vegas fights like Mayweather Pacquiao, that was the equivalent of a modern Super Bowl. That's what it was. The only difference is at least the game was good. At least we had a good game. But the feeling of it being overly corporate, and it really wasn't about the diehard fans. It really wasn't even about the game necessarily. It's about all these political agendas being shoehorned in. That's just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not about that. All right, no more NFL. Let's talk about uh, some boxing. Huh? So we got plenty of fights on the schedule right now, but nothing really gets going until March. I mean, most of the fights we have right now are just stay busy, showcase matchups, a few interesting ones in, here and there. But the schedule really gets going in March, and then it really starts to heat up in April. We got some really good stuff to look forward to in April, which is great, um, including Erickson Lubin is going to be fighting Sebastian Fundora April 9th on Showtime. That's a great matchup, man. That's a really, really good fight between two young guys. Lubin is kind of turning into 
a guy that PBC uses, you know, uh, but it's awesome. It works. Uh, he's he's going to go in here and he's supposed to on paper lose to Fundora, but put on a great, great fight. I like this matchup a lot. I'm looking forward to that fight. Um, speaking of PBC, Jermel, Jermal, sorry, Jermal Charlo arrested in Texas again for felony charges. This coming right after he just got off for former charges he was arrested with before. Um, nothing will come of this. You guys always ask me, when these guys get arrested, when boxers get arrested, what's going to happen? Look, man, I can't think of many fighters in recent years who did any jail time. The last one was Floyd, and that was a slap on the wrist, right? So nothing will come of this. I don't. I really don't think so. At most, community service or something. Um, Ryan Garcia news. Breaking. He uh, has apparently switched trainers, left the Reynoso camp, but will stay in San Diego and work with Joe Goosen. This was like a, some big story over the weekend. I look at this and I just don't give a flying fuck. When it comes to Ryan Garcia and these other young American fighters, I just want to see what they do in the ring right now. I'm sick of them negotiating on Twitter. I'm sick of the TikTok videos, the trash talk, the, the stupid challenges they're doing on TikTok and Instagram and all this. I don't really give a shit about who they're training with and all the drama around all that. I just don't give a shit. Like, let's see you get in the ring and fight. Let's see what you can do. That's what I'm interested in. All right. <clears throat> okay. What else we got? Um, I think that's it for news and notes. I think so. Yeah. So we're going to move on from there, but I'm going to catch up with some of you guys' comments. Uh, Sal says 50 cent turned into a dollar with this inflation. Record inflation. It's been 40 year high of inflation. Whew. Gail Falkenthal says, I enjoyed the show, but Prince is the undisputed goat of Super Bowl halftime shows. Yeah. Just a different era, Gail. Just a different era. It, it just it, it was it was different back then, and um, it was um, I don't know. It it just had a different feel, and maybe it's just because I was young. I, I don't know. Maybe when you're a kid, uh, sports is just it, it's something different to you. Um, Alistair Williams says, "Big sporting event is corporate in massive shocker." <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good comment <laughs> i kind of walked into that one <laughs> uh let's see Giuseppe says twitter trash talkers yeah there was a lot of that last night there was some assholes tweeting some dumb shit that even i had to like put them on blast like i saw a couple i'm like what the fuck is this and i had to report some of these guys <clears throat> but let's see captain hook chronicles said boomer is a state of mind oh okay all right well <laughs> sale says i'll take that over takashi 69 yeah i look i hear you i hear you okay I, trust me i hear you but honestly do we really need the super bowl halftime show do we really need it like it's again it's it's nothing I, I almost look at it like the academy awards the oscars like that kind of stuff like i just don't give a shit just get to the game like there's certain boxing events i've been to i think it was canelo koto where they had a music act right in the middle of it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I, I don't get, get to the fight, you know? Uh, so I, it, yeah, it just, not my thing. Not my thing. Oh, good comment here from George. He says, what about Kurt Sizey? Isn't he doing time still? So, okay, there's an example. Adventel Kurt Sizey. And I totally, I meant to mention this. I just forgot it. So thank you for bringing it up, man. He got arrested like in a Rico statue. This dude was involved in a crime ring. I want to say he got out recently. I, I, I thought I heard something about him getting out recently and um, being on probation or something, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am wrong. 
But yeah, that dude went to jail for some legit stuff. That's some ticky tack bullshit. By the way, I want to show uh, real quick a poll that I did. I talked about this fight on my channel. Apparently, Canelo, and again, I emphasize this is all premature because the guy who's been reporting this has been wrong like 8,000 times in a row here because he always jumps the gun. But according to sources, anonymous sources, uh, Canelo is close to maybe accepting a deal to fight Dimitri Bivol. It looks like this will come off because the money is so huge, right? And then he'll fight Triple G a third time. But I've been inter- it's, it's been interesting to see the reaction on Twitter specifically. Uh, I think a lot of the PBC stands out there really thought Canelo was going to just go hard PBC because he fought Caleb Plant. Uh, I don't think they understand the way the business works and what that was. But that, you know, that that's not really a surprise. Anyway, um, I tweeted this out, this poll here. Which fighter has done more in their career to earn a fight with Canelo? Jermall Charlo, Dimitri Bivol, David Benavidez, Demetrius Andre. Over uh, 5,000 people voted. Just under 40% voted for Dimitri Bivol. He was number one followed by Jermall Charlo at over 25%, and they were clearly ahead of the other two, which I agree with. But I'm surprised Charlo got that many votes. It's really interesting to me. Um, he just, his resume, I, I, and again, Bevel hasn't done shit the last two years. I, I'm with you. But overall, <clears throat> he has a better resume than Charlo, and he's at 175. Uh, so, so it's more of a challenge. I mean, Charlo started at 54, fights at 60 where he hasn't done dick. His best win is Gennady Golovkin, Daniel Jacobs leftovers. Um, And he'd be moving up again to fight Canelo at 68. Canelo's going to move up to 175 to fight Bevel. Man, that's a much tougher fight. And I'm just really surprised at the results. I thought thought it'd be over 50% for Bevel. But, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Gail here in the chat. It's great to have you on, Gail. She says, Canelo versus Bevel gives Canelo a light heavyweight belt. He wants to unify another division. He's laser focused on this, but he doesn't have to fight. He doesn't have to fight for money. Yeah, I think, um, which brings me to, you know what? I forgot to mention it in my news and notes, but apparently, um, and this is from Bob Arum's mouth, but apparently Joe Smith Jr. and um, Artur Baturbiev will be unifying the other three light heavyweight belts during the spring too. So Canelo maybe in 2023 could, if he wins his two fights this year, he could fight the winner of that fight for all the marbles at 175. And now he has an option at 168 for a stay busy fight too, uh, which he could introduce himself to the UK fans or fight over there. I'll get to that later. Uh, but yeah, that I mean, look, if Canelo unifies 175, after unifying 168, 168 is a weak division. None of those guys are really, really good. But 75 has got some good fighters. If he gets a win over Bevel and then the the, the Baturbiev-Smith winner, those are two really good wins. If he can follow that up at some point with a win over, let's say if Charlo moves up and ends up fighting, I think Caleb Plant and David Benavidez are eventually going to fight. If, if Charlo moves up, fights the winner of that fight, and then Canelo fights the winner of that fight, Man, that, that's a really good resume. Really, really good resume. Okay, let's move on. Let's get to uh, fight review because we have some controversy to talk about. Ooh, controversy. Saturday, February 12th. And 
Uh, let's see. The Alexandra Place, Moosewell Hill, London. Match him on the zone. Uh, John Ryder, split decision over Daniel Jacobs. Scores were 115-113 twice for Ryder, and then 115-113 once for Jacobs. Many, if not most, felt that Jacobs won this fight. There was outrage all over boxing Twitter. Uh, so let's see here. Punch numbers, because I know you guys love them. Ryder was 135 for 448, or 30% accuracy. Jacobs was 123 of 651 for 19% accuracy. Ryder landed more power punches. Jacobs landed slightly more jabs, and I believe he landed more body punches. But overall, the power punching was from Ryder, and he was actually, strangely enough, the more accurate puncher. You wouldn't have thought that coming in. Uh, let's see. A lot of people out there uh, saw and it looked like Jacobs was hurt in the seventh round. Kind of wasn't the same after that. And that's when Ryder really made a charge. Very similar to the Gabe Rosado fight. <clears throat> and that kind of brings me full circle here. Because to me, now let me get my thoughts. I, I thought 115-113 for Jacobs was a, was a good score. That that's how I scored it. Seven rounds to five for Jacobs. I thought you could make a case for a draw. When I look at the punch numbers, yeah, Ryder landed slightly more, slightly more accurate. Jacobs threw more, but wasn't nearly as accurate. But to me, the punch numbers indicate, and you don't score fights with punch numbers. I get it, guys. We've been over this a thousand times. But the indication from those punch numbers is that it was a close fight. So, so 115-113 either way, to me, isn't really bad. It just felt like if you were going to edge this fight to somebody, you should have edged it to Jacobs. It felt like he built up a, a big enough lead in those early rounds in the first half of the fight. He won the first half. Ryder won the second half. There's a few swing rounds in there. But when I think of the word robbery, um, I think of somebody, I think of an instance where a fighter clearly won, clearly won eight rounds, nine rounds, um, out, out punched their opponent pretty much in every punching category. Uh, just was the guy who clearly won the fight. Even if it was close, even if it was very competitive, he won clearly. Also, when I think of a robbery, I think of an injustice. I think of somebody getting screwed in a way that's really going to affect them and their career and their life for years to come. An example was just a couple weeks ago on that DAZN show, I think from Phoenix, that kid got robbed. I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but these kids were prospects. They both had like 10, 11 fights and a kid got flat out robbed, that is really going to affect his career. He's not going to make the same money he should be making over his next three, four fights. It could change his career trajectory into becoming uh, an opponent overnight, right? Daniel Jacobs has earned tens of millions of dollars. He's going to be just fine. Not that I think it's good that these judges rendered bad scorecards. I disagree with Ryder winning. I had Jacobs winning. Again, I want to make that clear. But this felt to me like a makeup call, okay? And, and this is something that doesn't just happen in boxing. This happens in all sports. It happened last night in the Super Bowl. There was a makeup call late in the fight, and the referees, the officials, the league, who I think called four penalties the entire game, three, four penalties. All of a sudden, in the last five minutes or whatever, they call it, it felt like they called 10 penalties all of a sudden. And it felt like they were trying to extend the game and make up for calls that they had screwed up earlier because Cincinnati got away with several penalties, several no calls. So then there was like a ticky-tack. They got this one guy um, on a 
pass interference or, or something like that that wasn't a pass interference, right? Makeup call. This happens in all sports, okay? People try to act like this only happens in boxing. It happens in all sports. But if we go back a few years, John Ryder got ripped off against Callum Smith. A lot of people felt that Callum Smith be, uh, lost that fight and that Ryder should have won. But Matchroom, Eddie Hearn, DeZone, they had their eyes set on a fight between Canelo Alvarez and Callum Smith. In fact, Smith's very next fight was against Canelo. And the only thing that delayed it was, I think, the COVID pandemic uh, slowed that process down. But that was his very next fight. So everybody involved wanted Canelo Smith, or at least that's they were looking at that fight. And that's the fight that ended up happening. The business of boxing had its way. And Ryder was kind of getting in the way of that. I thought this fight, but, you know, Ryder and Smith was competitive. And, cl and you could say close if you give the swing rounds to Smith. But like most people, I thought Ryder won that fight. Um, but Smith got the nod. He ends up fighting Canelo. He gets the Canelo sweepstakes and gets that big payday, all that good stuff, right? And it's a great uh, win for Canelo at 68 because Smith had won the World Boxing Super Series tournament. He had a belt, right? It was brand building. Build uh, uh, Canelo on a DAZN audience with the UK audience, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you go a little bit before that. Daniel Jacobs won the Canelo sweepstakes. He, ends, he fought Canelo in his first, like, big fight on the zone, right? They, they really needed matchroom and the zone. They needed uh, opponents, elite opponents for Canelo. So they grossly overpaid Daniel Jacobs. I want to say he got something like $10 million for that fight. And he was not worth half that if we're being honest, but he was the right guy, right place, right time. He had built up his name with uh, you know close competitive fight with Golovkin. He came up just short, but he ended up like building his brand off that loss. And so he was the right guy, right place, right time. Boom. So he's already fought Canelo, right? Now it just kind of feels like, and then also I should mention this, in Jacob's last fight against Gabriel Rosado, a lot of people felt like Rosado did enough to win that fight. And that, or maybe it should have been a draw. And Jacob's edged it out, right? So Jacob's has had some close decisions not go his way. He's had some close decisions go his way. He's, he's made, again, tens of millions of dollars. He's been in the title fights. He's been in there with the top guys, the two biggest brands south of heavyweight in the entire sport. He's been in the ring with both of them, right? Made tens of millions in those fights. So now it looks like John Ryder kind of got the makeup call because he got ripped off against Callum Smith. Jacobs kind of got away with one in his last fight. Business of boxing having its way. And it's no coincidence that I saw an interview, I think Boxing Scene released it, uh, where Eddie Hearn was quoted as saying, I'm paraphrasing, but basically saying, I think it'd be awesome to have Canelo go over to the UK and fight. And he's got an opponent over there now, John Ryder, who is technically, I think, a mandatory for one of Canelo's belts anyway. So Hearn had the wheels in motion, making this, I think, an eliminator. And now Ryder's kind of set up, and you've got a fresh name. I'm not trying to say Ryder's this elite-level fighter because he's not. But Jacob's already fought Canelo. It was a very good fight. It was pretty one-sided. I already mentioned Callum Smith and that whole thing. So now you got a fresh name and a fresh face, right? So if Canelo – and I hear a lot of you out there already yelling because in America, people would be like, yo, a fight between Canelo and Ryder, who gives a shit? It's not a big fight. Tell that to the U.K. fans. If they, you know, 
Canelo Alvarez comes to London. There's the fight poster. That's all you got to say. He can fight me. <laughs> and it, it, it would sell because he's coming over to the UK, right? So if he fights John Ryder over there, it'll do numbers over there. It'll sell out, okay? So it is what it is. It's the business of boxing having its way. I feel bad that Jacobs came up short in this decision, but I can't feel too bad. Guy's made tons of money, and he's benefited from right place, right time. And he, a couple of close scorecards have gone his way before, all right? So uh, I don't like this. I disagree with the judges. But am I going to call this a robbery? <clears throat> this wasn't a title fight. This wasn't a fight where tens of millions of dollars were at stake or the, the literally the history of boxing was changed with this decision. No, 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 no. This wasn't Canelo Golovkin won. It wasn't. It just wasn't. Had to get my Canelo Triple G reference in for the show. Also on this card, Felix Cash wins uh, a unanimous decision over Magomed Madiev. Uh, both of these guys are undefeated coming in. Madiev gets his first pro loss. This was a 10-round middleweight fight. Cash was down in a second attempt and docked one point for holding in attempt. So slightly controversial there. All right. So we are done with the review. Let's see. I think we got a super chat from my man, Deed340. Thank you so much, Deed. He says, uh, don't get why Charlo or Andre didn't think about going to Japan to fight Murata. Big payday right there. Wow, dude. You're right. Why wouldn't you? Um, that, that would be huge. I mean, for, for them. Um, it, it would be a winnable fight for both of them. Big payday. But it would also be PBC working with Grandpa Bob. And they don't necessarily like each other. So I think that was kind of probably part of it. Also, uh, Murata would much rather fight Golovkin. Much bigger name. He'll make more money. And it, it, a lot of people think Golovkin's just going to steamroll Murata. I think Murata has a real chance in that fight. Call me crazy. I think he's going to be very competitive. All right. Let's do this preview. Ah, where's my banner? There it is. All right. <clears throat> You know, Twal makes a good point here in the chat. He says, Ryder is just as good as Smith or Saunders or Plant. You're probably right. It, it, there's not a whole lot of difference between the guys. And at this point, you saw he's pretty much even with Daniel Jacobs at this point and, and those level of guys. Is Ryder any worse than Andre and Charlo? Maybe a little bit. I, I do think Plant and Saunders are probably, and even Smith are probably a, a level above Ryder, but it's not like it's night and day. It's pretty close. Okay, this Friday, February 18th, there is a showbox card from Orlando, Florida. Jermaine Ortiz, 14-0 with one draw, going up against Nahir Albright, who is 14-1. He lost his pro debut. It was like a majority decision. He's won 14 in a row since then, so he's almost undefeated himself. This is a 10-round lightweight fight. And then Saturday, February 19th, there's a bunch of uh, kind of stay-busy fights and step-up fights for prospects all around the world. Let me get to these real quick. Russian-Canadian heavyweight Arslanbek Makhmudov, who is 13-0, uh, weak resume. Ten of his fights have ended in the first round, right? He's stepping up a little bit. He's going to fight Mario Shvak in Canada. So that's a slight step up for him in terms of experience. And then Kazakh heavyweight Zan Kosobutsky, 17-0. 
He has a weak resume too, fighting Johan Duapas in Germany. So that's a slight step up for him. So a couple of these Eastern European slash Central Asian heavyweights uh, stepping up a little bit here. We'll see how they do. And there's a uh, another card from Russia, Ekaterinburg, Russia, uh, card loaded with a lot of Russian prospects. But there's also a lightweight eliminator fight between Z uh, Russian Zaur Abdulayev, who is 14-1, his one pro loss coming to Devin Haney in 2019. He is fighting Jorge Linares. So uh, that's an interesting fight. And then Jaime Mugia, 38-0, going up against Demetrius Ballard, who is 21-0 with one draw in a 12-round middleweight fight in Tijuana, Mexico, on the zone. All right. Then the big one, the grudge match in Manchester Arena, Manchester, United Kingdom. Ultimate Boxer putting us on. It's a Sky Box Office pay-per-view over in the UK. Here in America, though, it's on ESPN+. Plus. I love that. Again, that's one of the cool things about these streaming apps. You can pick up a fight like this if it's not in your country as part of your subscription. Uh, I love that. You know, I could just watch this on ESPN Plus if I feel like it. Amir Khan going up against Kell Brook in a 12-round welterweight fight. Yes, you've all gotten into the DeLorean and uh, the flux capacitor was working. You traveled back in time 10 years because that's when this fight probably could have taken place. Amir Khan is 34 and 5. Brook is 39 and 3. Khan 5 foot 8, 71 inch reach. Brook 5 foot 9, 69 inch reach. Let's talk about some of the X factors here. Let's talk about activity, okay? Since 2013, Amir Khan is 7-2. and two. People talk about Khan having all these losses. But, I mean, it's he's 7-2. and two. He had two losses in the last, what is that, nine years, eight, nine years? So I, I think that the tales of Khan having all these terrible losses in recent years, I think that's a little overboard. His losses have kind of been spread out pretty evenly throughout his career from when he was at 135 all the way up to like these middleweight catchweights where he fought Canelo, right? Uh, his first fight in, in, in 2013, he fought his first fight over 140. It was 142 pound catchweight. And his very next fight in 2014 was at 147. And from that point forward, it's been 147 or Canelo weight for Amir Khan, right? So going back to 2013, he is seven and two. Now, Brooke over that same span, is 10 and three. So Brooke actually has more recent losses than Khan, but he's been more active, right? He's got 13 fights in that span compared to nine fights for Khan. And of course, Brooke, all these fights are at 147. A couple of them were above 147. Cause remember he went up two weight classes and fought Golovkin and got his, his orbital bone smashed. His face was literally smashed in. Now I talked about the activity. Let's talk about recent activity. Kell Brook had two fights in 2020. Amir Khan had zero, right? Amir Khan hasn't fought. Uh, I don't see. Let me make sure I got that right. Give me one second, everybody, as I look this up, because I want to make sure I get it right. Yes. Kell Brook had two fights in 2020, one just before the pandemic, one after the pandemic. And then he had zero fights in 2021, okay? Amir Khan hasn't fought since 2019 when he fought over in uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia against Billy Dibb. So neither one of these guys has been extremely active over the last year, but in recent years, 
over the last two years, Brooke has been a little bit more active. Brooke also, I should state, is coming off a loss, right? At least Khan's coming off a win. It was against Billy Dibb. But uh, Brooke is coming off a loss, that TKO4 loss to Terrence Crawford. Both these guys lost recently to Terrence Crawford. Uh, Khan has been stopped four times. And some of those stoppages were brutal. One-punch knockout type stoppages, right? Uh, and what's interesting is Marius who, who is it that knocked him out? Bradis Prescott. I was about to say Marius Bradis. Bradis Prescott at 135 was the first guy to beat Khan. And that was kind of a one-punch knockout. Dropped him, right? That was, uh, yeah, I want to say 135. And then Canelo did it at like 155. But that was brutal. He was unconscious before he hit the canvas. I was ringside for that one. It was sick. Um, so, yeah, Khan stopped four times, most recently by Canelo and Crawford, right? Uh, the Canelo knockout, I don't think anybody really holds that against him because Canelo is just a naturally bigger guy. He was moving up for the payday. But the Crawford loss, I mean, that's just levels, right? Crawford's special. And Khan has passed his best. With Brooke, he's been stopped three times. The knockout to Triple G, again, nobody really holds that against him. He was taking an opportunity, last-second replacement, when Chris Eubank shamelessly ducked Golovkin the last, the last minute after signing a contract. and. Brooks stepped in, took the fight, payday, he lost, got knocked out. Nobody holds that against him. It wasn't a one-punch knockout, though, right? It was a systematic kind of beatdown. Same thing with his fights with Spence and, and Crawford. Although the Crawford knockout, I, I thought it was kind of a quirky knockout that had more to do with his eye injury or orbital bone skull injury than anything else. But when you look at chins, I think clearly Brooke has the stronger chin. I just wonder which guy is training more seriously and who has more left in the tank just overall as a fighter. If we're talking about chin, of course, Brooke has the better chin. But let's see, his power. He's had 42 bouts. He's had 27 stoppages, right? And so that's a 65, 64% knockout percentage. But let's look at the guys he knocks out. He knocks out, I'm talking about Kel Brook right now. Mark DeLuca, Michael Zarafa. I'm sorry, no, Zarafa went to distance. Sergey Rabchenko, uh, Kevin Bizier, Frankie Gavin, Ionet Dan Ion. Like those are the guys he knocks out. When he fought Sean Porter, that was a majority decision. It should have been a, a unanimous decision. He won eight or nine rounds in that fight. But when he fights guys at that level, it goes to distance. Even Matthew Hatton took him the distance. Carson Jones took him the distance. I mentioned Michael Zarafa took him the distance. So does he have that one-punch knockout power to stop Amir Khan? I don't know, man. Terrence Crawford stopped him, but again, he's special, right? Canelo Alvarez did, of course. Canelo is a big, strong guy, and he's special. Danny Garcia stopped Khan. Lamont Peterson got a split decision. But that Danny Garcia fight, that's, that was prime Danny Garcia, and that was at 140, uh, so that's a little different. And then, of course, I mentioned Bradis Prescott. Man, that goes back to 2008, so that was well over a decade ago. The knockout loss to Garcia was a decade ago. That was 2012. So I don't know, man. I, I think that um, this could go several different ways, but there's something inside of me that wants to take Amir Khan in this fight. Does that make me crazy? Does that make me insane? Because I feel like everyone's saying Kelbrook is going to mop the floor with Amir Khan. 
I don't know, man. I still think hand speed matters. I think Khan, in terms of his athleticism, I think is still closer to his prime than Brooke is. These guys are the same age. I should mention that too. Uh, Brooke has had some hard living outside of the ring. And I think that ages guys. And I just wonder, he's also had reconstructive surgery twice on his face, right? So if Khan has any of that hand speed that he once had, that fluid hand speed, long punches, that reach, uh, the accuracy, I think he wins this fight. And, and I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm, I guess I'm feeling crazy this week because a lot of people that I see on Twitter are favoring Kell Brook. I'm going to go with Amir Khan, though. I'm going to go with Amir Khan in this fight. I, I, I think at some point, Brook's injuries, the surgeries, all that, it just catches up to you. And I think, um, I think we saw it in the Crawford fight. We've seen it in other fights. But if this thing goes late and Khan continues to just jab the eye, jab the eye, boom, boom, every now and then, boom, drop drop a right hand on it. Maybe get a hook in there. And just working that eye, I think it's going to have an effect in this fight. Let's see. We got Super Chat Pledge from Ray Valero. Thank you so much, Ray. He says, hey, Mike, I believe Brooke is training more serious, but I, be I believe Khan has a little more left in the tank. Brooke is more washed, in my opinion. I got Khan, too. All right, so I guess I'm not crazy. Um, I should state that uh, a member of Amir Khan's training camp actually reached out to me. We, we, we talked a little bit over email, and you said that Khan looks great. Khan came to um, Terrence Crawford's camp. The guy that literally knocked him out, he came to that camp, and that, he's working with Bomac and that whole crew. But that's a great camp. Those guys know what they're doing. And um, from what I was told, Khan has taken this very, very seriously as well. Uh, very, very humble and listening to instruction and working his butt off in the gym. That's what I've been told. I have not talked to anybody in Brooks camp though. So I, I don't really have any information, but I expect both of these guys to show up in tremendous shape and put on a really, really good fight. I think this one's going to be fun. It, it, what's interesting is this fight has done very good business from what I hear ticket sales and everything. It's going to do big numbers on pay-per-view over there. And it just shows how, robust and healthy the boxing scene over in the uk is you guys are really just crushing it over there and you support your fighters because I, I just you know when i think of the american equivalent of this fight i don't know quite what it would be but uh two former champions well past their best this just sounds like it'd be a pbc matchup here in america and you know if pbc put on a fight like this with two of their guys this would be like almost like a Robert Guerrero versus, I don't know, I, I, I can't even think of the right name off the top of my head. But if they put something like that on Fox pay-per-view, it'd do maybe 50,000 buys, it, you know, and it would it would definitely would not sell out in the arena. Um, so I, I, I don't know, like you, you, you guys, your scene, your boxing scene is just way healthier than ours in regards to the casual fan being interested because this sort of matchup is appealing to the casual sports fan over in the UK. And, you know, I talked to one promoter last week that was just talking to me about this and um, just, you know, we had some talks about the business of boxing in general right now. And uh, he's an American promoter and, you know, he was mentioning the scene over in the UK and, and this fight really is indicative of just how healthy it is over there, man. Another super chat pledge from Sly Tendencies. Thank you so much, man. 
says a shout out to the ring TV. If ring was the only belt, we wouldn't have all this confusion and boxing shout out to you. And here's to a great year. Thank you so much. Shout out back to you. I appreciate it. Oh, Giuseppe in the chat. Yeah. He said it right here, Robert Guerrero versus Victor Ortiz. Boom. Or, or <laughs> Nacho says Danny Garcia versus Keith Thurman. Boom. Perfect. Perfect. Even Twal said the same thing. Thurman versus Garcia too would be the equivalent. Absolutely. You know, and uh, Danny Garcia's crazy daddy would start talking shit, right? And if they put that on pay-per-view and put it in, let's say, the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, there's no way that sells 20,000 tickets. They would be papering that venue like crazy. And on pay-per-view, man, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000 buys? You know what I'm saying? Maybe 50,000 if the name recognition is there. But that's it. That's it. Zimbia Zimbabwe said, uh, good words, Montero. The British appetite for a grudge match is always insane. I think this will do 750 to 900 pay-per-view buys, uh, 900,000. <clears throat> I think you're right. I think it will. Because if you just look at the sales figures from the tickets, um, you guys, again, you, you guys have a really healthy scene over there. We do more numbers here in terms of overall money. Well, we have 330 million people. But the biggest events generally speaking, still come to America, still come to Vegas, Los Angeles. Um, it still comes here. Okay. But the, a fight like this, which I would say, neither of these guys are hall of fame worthy. Uh, Khan at one point, I think really had a shot. Khan, I think overall had a better career. I, I think that's pretty obvious, right? Especially with his amateur career and everything else, but uh, just short, maybe of a hall of fame career. And they're fighting years past their best. You know, they, they, they any time they have stepped up in the last five or so years, they've lost and, and pretty decisively. So, so this is just two guys cashing out, and everyone knows that, right? And when I think of like when Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones Jr. had their rematch, that fight tanked, absolutely tanked. And those two dudes are legends, right? Um you know, it, it did better than than PBC's recent pay-per-views did, right? But um, I wonder if if they have those. I wonder if I can look that up real quick because now I'm curious. But like everybody knew what that was. That's why I bring it up. Roy Jones, two pay-per-view buys. Let's see if I can find this real quick on the flood. No way. There's no way. Uh I'm just looking this up. I'm reading, reading, reading. No. Wow. Kelly Pavlik versus Jermaine Taylor, too, only did 250,000 pay-per-view buys. Crazy. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I just found a wiki page. So Hopkins Jones 2, which took place in 2010. Okay, so so here you go. Now, again, I would not put Khan or, or Brooke on the level of Hopkins or Jones. These These two guys are two of the greats, especially Jones. He was an all-time great, right? And they had massive name recognition and been in massive, massive fights. So you'd expect this to do numbers. And this was still at the tail end of like the pay-per-view era in 2010, right? And it did about 150,000 pay-per-view buys. And it was a terrible fight anyway. So, so there you go, okay? That did 150. A fight like that today, 20,000, something like that, and you guys over in the UK, 
this is going to do big numbers. So again, that just kind of puts it all in perspective, man, of uh, where we're at. Oh, another good one from Sal. He says, uh, Mikey Garcia versus Danny Garcia. Don't be surprised if that shit happens one day. Let's see. Ray Valero says Deontay Wilder versus Andy Ruiz. Now look, if that fight happens in 2022, that fight does numbers. That does numbers. I'm telling you, um, that would, that you guys are going to think I'm nuts. If they marketed that fight the right way, 300, 400,000 pay-per-view buys. I, I honestly believe that because they'd have to market it the right way. They'd have to get Wilder a tune-up, right? Um, like Ruiz just got a tune-up against Chris Ariola. So get Wilder a fight like that. And then get those two in the ring on pay-per-view, market it the right way on Fox. It'd do numbers just because of the demographics involved. I'm telling you. And it's heavyweights. It is what it is. All right. Let's jump to the phones. We are about 50 minutes in. We got a few calls here. And then um, we'll wrap it up, guys. Like I said, schedule's kind of bleak right now. It's going to heat up soon, though. Not to worry, all right? Not to worry. All right, 336, you're on the show. What's going on? Yo, Matty Mike. My head's kind of fucked up right now. I was on this analogue from Jeremy chilling. My neighbor came came over, told me he just got ripped off, man. He took all his puppies and shit. Yo, <laughs> yo, he talking about taking a motherfucker out. But yo, you gotta be chill with it. That if you gonna do it, do it right. Yo, anyway, <laughs> from the top, from the top, Dre and Dog perpetrating a fraud from way back. Kitty, oh shit, play all played the fuck out, <laughs> and uh, Mister J Z. Now, this G gon' see Marcy Project motherfucker need to stop that shit. Mm. Now, Mr. Jacobs, I think the book has been closed. Yeah. Because I watched that fight, and that was the only one I saw in that car, because I had forgotten the car was coming on. The book has been closed, Mike. Danny is not Danny anymore unless he just said, fuck it, this guy ain't nobody. That's the only saving grace there. Other than that, the book has been closed. Brooke Khan, yeah, whatever. It's, it'll be interesting just to watch it, but who are they going to fight after that? They might as well just retire. No, nah, that's you it. Know, yeah, that they're going to retire. Get the fuck on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's been said. I think it's been Mike. Yo, I had a great weekend. Started with a, a nephew of mine. My youngest brother died of prostate cancer at 50. And I just spoke to him. I hadn't seen him or spoke to him since he was like three. Oh, man. Yo, and then, then these t-shirts showed up. <laughs> I was, oh, shit. What the fuck? <laughs> I was like, yo, where these come from? Man, this is no pillow shit. What? <laughs> and then I thought of no. Brother, let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. You don't have to thank me for shit. We was in the shit together. Because it doesn't matter where you are, where or what time you were. If shit goes off, you're going to go. So you put your ass on the line. You ain't got to thank me for shit, bro. We in this shit together. Uh, I hear you, brother. I hear you. You understand what I'm saying? You did the shit just like me, son. Fuck that. All right. I just felt I needed to say thank you, brother. That's all. I understand, Mike. I, I got nothing but respect. It, but, uh, brother, brother, 
I ain't got nothing, nothing but love for you, brother. Same and here, You man. don't have to do that. You don't have to. Because you was in, man. You were in. You paid already, bro. You ain't got to pay shit. You did your shit. Very few have done that, bro. Good point. Fair very point. Few. Fair point. Facts. Facts. Uh, what else? It's my birthday tomorrow. Oh, yeah, happy birthday. Man, so you got Valentine's and then and then your birthday the next day? Yeah, I was out with my wife all day, and bro, a man came over and said he got ripped off. I said, I was out all day, man. <laughs> so I can't tell you shit. He even got a camera. He ain't see shit. But anyway, yo, yo, pre- I appreciate everything. Oh, man, I'm going to, one day, you, I'm, I'm going to be in Atlanta one day, brother. And me and you, we're going to tear that mother. Yo. Who is that Boston motherfucker? Because he sound hard as fuck. And yo, if he's oh, for real, uh, we can take this motherfucker over. Yo, Dog, yeah, like Jimmy's cool, shit, man. man. You'd like Jimmy. I like his shit, man. Yeah, you'd like I Jimmy. I like the way he go down. Yeah. Yo, yo, that guy I could talk to for real. Yeah, we we probably he, end he up in the ER. Real. If the three of us hung out, we probably end up in the ER. <laughs> Nah, somebody else would end up in the fucking. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, that too. That That too. (laughs) Yo, Mike. Yeah, I'm so glad that I found you and I could talk to you. And damn, man, you. Oh, shit. I don't know what to say. Yo, man. Ah, shit. This is just great. I had a great weekend. I'm happy to hear it, man. I'm happy to hear it. Anyway, hey, man. Hey, man. So, suffice, I think I covered whatever I was going to cover. And as far as the next ones, maybe fly down, speak to you again. I don't know. But I hope you had a great time with your wife. I hope you relax. Don't forget about the nonsense. And now you're ready. You're back strong. Strong like a lion. Lucky I got. Rock the far line. And, all right, man. <laughs> One day I'll, I'll give you a little history about me. All right. Because you're probably wondering, who is this guy? Right. One day I'll give you a little history. All right, we'll do All it. All right, Mike. Take care of yourself, man, and I'll see you Friday. All right, brother. Have a great birthday tomorrow, man. Happy birthday. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Take care, man. Peace. Yeah, guys, that's BLT. I had to, um, you know, me and my wife were talking, me and Tiffany, and I told her about BLT. I was like, man, this dude's fucking cool, man. I can't wait to meet this guy. Because uh, my sister lives up there, uh, not too far from where he lives. So I'm thinking maybe next time I visit my sister, maybe we'll uh, we'll set something up. But uh, you know, former military guy, and I got nothing but love and respect for you know military guys, especially the guys that came before me, the generations before. And uh, Brian, you know, was in during the Vietnam era, so we sent him a care package. We sent him some some stuff just to say thank you, and um, you know, just for his service and everything else. So uh, we just felt like we needed to do it, man. Um, you know, the, the guys from that era paved the way for the guys from my era. We paved the way for the guys in the, in the current era. So you game peep game, man. And real recognize real. And that is what it is. All right. Um, super chat pledge from Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, Jacob's power is his right hand. When he goes lefty, he loses all power. Great point. And he does not engage with anyone. He won, but he let it be that close. Outstanding point, Sam. I completely forgot to bring that up, but you're right. He did go lefty. He doesn't have the same power. Um, and, and there was just no reason to. There was He was winning the fight early on. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You're giving your opponent a chance to get back in it. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. He just kind of looked bored at times. 
And like Brian said, I think the the book is closed. If Jacobs wants to come back and do one more fight or something, cool, cool. But um, he's just not a guy on that level anymore. A prime Daniel Jacobs mops the floor with John Ryder. That's just, you know, not, no disrespect to Ryder. That's just the truth. He would. Okay, back to the phones we go. And we've got Nacho. What's up, man? Hey, Mike, what's going on? Um, at first, I thought that was somebody else. But then after a few seconds, I finally realized it was uh, BLT that was calling. <laughs> BLT is a legend, son. Well, Everyone loves BLT's calls, yeah, man. That's pretty funny. Um, so just real quick, like you said, the boxing schedule was super light this weekend. Um, yeah, that fight with uh, Jacobs and Ryder. Um, I watched it uh, live. And I scored it for uh, Ryder at the beginning of it when I when I watched it live. I thought I had him winning that fight um, eight to four. You're not alone, but man. I know I a few people that scored it for Ryder. I saw a few people on Twitter that are smart guys that scored it for Ryder. I just thought Jacobs edged it, but it was close. Yeah. And so then I rewatched it again later when uh, I had a chance. And I actually ended up changing my mind. I ended up going with, I thought it should have been a draw. Because, I mean, you could make the case that Ryder won five or maybe even six rounds. But after watching it a second time, I just couldn't give him seven or more rounds. My, it, it was just that close of a fight to me that I just didn't feel like Ryder could have gotten seven or eight rounds. Um, because I just thought that there was just too many swings and momentum on both sides that, you know, you couldn't have scored it, you know, either, uh, you know, more than seven to five. You could make the case seven, five either way, but I, I couldn't, I had it six, six when I rewatched it again. Um, the biggest thing, and I kind of commented, uh, to Jimmy, cause I think Jimmy was on Twitter and he was talking about the fight, um, on Saturday when it was going on live. I just made the comment and, and like after watching it a second time, I pretty much confirmed what I thought I had seen from Ryder. The biggest problem with Ryder, Mike, is that it seems like he is an unbelievably slow starter. Yeah. And then on top of that, on, on the inside, his inside game is awful. He allowed Jacobs to clinch way too much in the first half of that fight. The fight really started to turn once he decided that he wasn't going to allow Jacobs to clinch anymore. Yeah. And at that point, half, he was able yeah. to get off shots. Yeah. He was able to get off shots to the body. And then he started landing uh, hooks and then uh, left, left hands to the head. And it was in that seventh round where the tide finally kind of started turning his way. Because up to that point, I just thought Jacobs had literally been dominating most of the rounds. And when Ryder finally landed that really nice right hook in the seventh round and hurt yeah. him, the fight just completely turned at that point. And I thought he had a chance to take him out, but you got to give Jacobs credit. He was able to hang on and weather the storm, and he was able to get out of there and, and survive and then keep fighting. But I agree, Mike. I, I totally agree. I don't think Danny Jacobs has much left at this point. And honestly, I think he's just one of these guys that, at this point, he's made so much money, like you were saying, that I don't think the hunger and the fire to get hit anymore is there. And I just think 
he legitimately probably he's not willing to admit it just yet, but I think he's gonna have to come to the realization that I think it's time for him to, you know, move on and find something else. Like you said, I don't mind him getting one more fight if he wants to do a farewell fight in, in New York in his mm-hmm. hometown or something. But honestly, as far as him being like a top ten or even a top twenty guy at this point at, at super middle, I, I don't see it. I think there's a lot of guys that you can make the case could beat him right now and he would just become a stepping stone if he hangs around. So hopefully, you know, he took care of his money and hopefully he finds, you know, maybe he finds a desire to do one more fight. But I agree. I think it's time for him to go. And then as far as Ryder, some people were saying that he's actually not the mandatory to Canelo because apparently super champions for the WBA do not have mandatories. So Ryder has become Mm -hmm. the mandatory for the guy holding the regular belt. Oh. And the guy holding the regular belt is David Morrell. You're right. You're and right. I don't want to see that fight. Yeah. And I don't want to see that fight. I think Morrell mops Ryder, to be honest. I think the same way I think the same way Morrell took out uh Fox, I think he does the same thing to Ryder. I think that's how big of a mismatch it would be. I think he ends up mopping up Ryder. So I don't think that's a good idea. And to be honest, I don't know where you go with Ryder because there's not a whole lot of guys that he can beat at this point that are above him. I mean, I was thinking maybe you could match him up against the the guy that uh, Eddie Hearn had on his card that won a few fights and then just lost recently, um, Carlos Gongora. He might be a legit option for Ryder. Gongora might beat him. Yeah, but Gongora might beat him. But I think it might be a more even evenly matched fight than if he was to take on like a Benavides, a Morel. Um, what about a know, rematch with Smith? Uh, with Callum Smith. But Smith's at seventy five, Mike. Oh, you're so right. Unless Ryder decides to go up, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, but unless Ryder <clears throat> decides to go up, yeah, that that's not going to happen. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what they do with Ryder to be honest. I hope Eddie Hearn's got a stable of guys that he can throw out there because honestly, Ryder's not going to beat any of the guys in the top 10 for sure. Um, and then just real quick about the, the fights this weekend, like you said, just a bunch of staying busy. Um, the really crazy one is that Russian one with, uh, I can't even say the guy's name. Um, the one that's fighting Linares. I'm really surprised that Linares is getting an eliminator. Um, to, to try to get another shot at Haney, I really thought that he would not be in the an eliminator at any time, uh, you know, soon. But somehow they managed to get him into this, and if he wins, man, he might get another shot at Haney, which I'm just kind of like, hmm. Uh, it'll, it, I'd be curious to see what happens if he ends up winning that fight. And then uh, with the uh, Conbrook. I, I think you're right, Mike. I think Brooke has just gotten beat up way too much in the three losses that he that he suffered, especially the Golovkin fight. I think the Golovkin fight shaved a lot of years off his career. Yeah. And, yeah, he got paid, but, man, he took a beating in that fight, and he just has not looked ever, the same ever since. And then Spence took whatever was left of him in that fight as well. Yep. So I would assume that Khan has a lot more left in the tank, and I think he'd be – the, the more likely choice to win that fight as long as Khan doesn't get clipped with anything that he doesn't see. I think he should win that fight against Brooks. 
and then the uh, Mungia Ballard. I'm a little disappointed in this fight, Mike. Um, I really thought that Golden Boy, after the Rosado fight, would legitimately try to go big game hunting for Mungia because I don't think the kid needs a, a whole lot more stay busy fights. I think the kid is ready to contend for a title shot. And this idea of giving him another stay busy fight is like just really disappointing. I hope that his next fight is not a stay busy fight, and I hope he gets a shot at somebody with a belt because the kid doesn't need any more tune-ups. He's ready, in my opinion. He He's had four fights at 160 to get acclimated, and he's had three fights with Morales. This is going to be number four. I mean, I really don't think he needs any more stay busy. I think the kid has learned everything he's going to learn as far as tweaking his style and, and smoothing out the rough edges. I think the kid is ready for a shot, whether it's Charlo or, um, you know, Janabek or whoever it is that has a belt. I mean, I think the kid needs needs a shot sooner rather than later because eventually he's not going to be able to stick around at 60 forever. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy. Yeah. And I think he's going to end up going to 68 at some point. So you might want to try to get him a title shot sooner rather than later um, before he outgrows the division. So... I mean, I'll be curious to see how he performs this weekend, but I think he should win. Ballard's a second-tier kind of prospect. I haven't seen anything from him that's made me think he could be, a, like, a legitimate champ. He might win a paper belt one day, but he's not, like, a, a top-tier guy, in my opinion. He's just, you know, he's just a guy. So, you know, we'll see. So, all right, Mike. That's my call. All right, Nacho. Thanks, man. All right. There he goes. I see uh, one one question here from George. Uh, he says, Mike, is is uh, Tim Zhu going to be fighting on the Charlo versus Castaño 2 card? I've been told yes. I've been told he's going to make his American debut and fight in the co-main. Uh, I don't know if that has been solidified, but that's what they were talking about doing. Yes. Which I think is great because he's a mandatory for both of them. So the winner of that fight, obviously – that's who uh, they should fight next is Zoo, and I think that's a big fight, especially if they'd be willing to go to Australia. I don't think they would, though. But either way, if Zoo comes here, uh, that's still a good one. So that's what I hear. All right, let's go back to the phones. We got a bunch of calls here, guys. Uh, five seven zero, you're on the show. I think this is Thad. What's up, Thad? Hey, thanks, Mike. Yeah, uh, Tim Zoo, love Tim Zoo. Think he's the real deal. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping one of those two guys will fight him next, but I don't think they're going to take that kind of risk. They're going to want the easy fight after that unification. But I digress. Um, speaking of the Danny Jacobs and Ryder fight, uh, last week I mentioned, you know, the hungrier guy, the fresher guy's Ryder. Danny, you know, he uh, he made his money. And he was just doing, he's a minimalist at this point, And he was doing the minimum in the beginning. First six rounds were Drek. Uh, neither fighter, fighter did anything. And when you have that situation, that's an even fight. That's a three, three round fight because you're going to have a judge that's going to score every other round for the other guy when there's no guy imposing his will. And that's what happened. And in the last six rounds, Ryder won five rounds. And I know I was biased because I had Ryder. I took Ryder and I had the over. And I was literally, I shut the fight off in the ninth round after the ninth round because I thought Jacobs was going to get knocked out. And I was pissing in my Cheerios because <laughs> I had the over. And when I when I um, come to and I it's the eleventh round, I realize Ryder took the round off. You know that's that's how I knew Ryder won the fight because I was scared to death he was going to stop Danny in the tenth round. 
So I, I he won. He won the fight. He deserved it. Uh, Danny have a good a good career. Credit to boxing. Um, I wish he got the Charlo fight, but what can he do? So what uh, brings me to this weekend? And uh, I think Linares knocks out Abdullayev. I don't think he has a chin. Uh, losing to Devin Haney the way he did is indicative of that. Uh, Haney's pretty much feather-fisted, even though he's uh, like 160 pounds when he comes in the ring. And uh, I think Lenaris is going to pull that pull that one out. I don't know what the odds are on that fight, but I would really look. I'm looking into Lenaris. And then finally, <laughs> you know, you mentioned what would the American equivalent be of Con Brook. I'm going to say an extremely poor man's Uno Mas, Roberto Duran versus Sugar Ray Leonard three. Hmm. Or on the high end, an extremely poor man's Hearns Leonard two. Hmm. And it's it's going to go. What are two ways? It's going to be a stinker and Khan's just going to outbox him or it's going to be a, a slugfest and it'll probably end in a knockout. But I think Khan on both ends gets the win because Kell Brook is a shot fighter. Golovkin, there, there's different stages of fractures and his fracture that he got in the Golovkin fight was severe. His face was broken, yeah, literally. And when you have surgery, you have metal pins that are inserted and you have scar tissue, and the level of scar tissue that develops depends on how uh, big the break was, and his was significant. And when you have scar tissue, that breaks under stress, and it creates swelling. And that's why you see Brooke always favoring that that eye and, and afraid to take punches. And he's just in there, in my view, to cash a check. He might get brave and, and go out on his shield, but I, I don't think it ends any other way but a knockout for Khan or Khan somehow you know, Brooks survives the 12 and, and it goes to decision. But don't outsmart yourself. Khan wins this fight. This is value. He's plus 130 on hmm. the betting line, which is a steal. It's a Christmas gift. Again, Vegas, three weeks in running are giving out free money. Okay, it all started with the, the, the Thurman fight. And then last week with, with, um, with Ryder, with this recent, I should say. So um, I, I love Amir Khan, and the only X factor is, does he get caught? Right. Eh, even if he does, I think he's still got a chin enough to uh, to withstand a, a punch from Brooke, because Brooke, he's not that one-punch hitter-quitter, like you said earlier. He's not. Right. And um, Amir Khan, he beat Zab Judah, right? He stopped Jeff, Zab Judah, if I'm not correct. Unless I'm thinking someone else. I, I mean, it doesn't... Let me Amir Khan beat Zab Judah. Uh, yes, he did. Ko five, right? Yeah. So and that was has, eleven years ago. He has a phone. shit. It was, but Zab Judah was a very very hard puncher with his left. Yes, a amazing left uppercut. Yeah, and and Khan's speed and and his ability to box. He knows how to, you know, he knows how to parry a lot of those shots and. Uh, you know, he's he's only been really knocked out by the big, big punchers. And with the Canelo fight, he was outweighed by 30 pounds. Um, he held up against Madonna, barely. He beat Madonna. He got ripped off in the Levant peterson fight. He, he won that fight. So don't don't kid yourself. Amir, Amir Khan's a very underrated fighter. That's why Floyd refused to fight the guy. So remember, there was a poll, and he won the poll. That's who the fans wanted to see Mayweather fight, and Mayweather chose Madonna. Who can beat is coming off that 
victory over him, and, and he ended up outboxing Devin Alexander next. He whitewashed him. So I love this fight. Love love Amir Khan to win this fight, either by stinker by decision, or he or he stops Kell Brook mm. by the seventh. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't know if um, you know people are thinking about getting on that betting train, but just be very very careful here if you're looking at the Kell Brook side because I know he's the favorite, but if that line drops and it becomes a pick'em, you know the right side is con. Mm. So just just take that into consideration. And there's one other thing, Mike, um, that re- that kind of surprised me because everyone knows Clarissa Shields. She's like the, you know, in, in America, she calls herself the GOAT and, and all that other crap, the, blovi- the bloviating about how great she is and all. Well, the, od- the odds makers came out and, made- and put the lines out for that fight. I want you to take a guess what the line is on that fight, the betting line. Well, her and uh, Between Marshall? Between her and Savannah Marshall. I would yeah. say Marshall maybe yeah. might be the early favorite. Well, you're well, you're sort of right. It's a pick 'em fight, mm. but based on based on um, you know popularity and you know uh, you know how much how much eyes are on somebody, I thought that was pretty shocking. I thought I thought they would at least start Shields out at two and a half to one favorite, but it's a pick 'em, which tells me Savannah Marshall's the right side. And and um, a call or a um, commenter I really respect. Uh, last week when I was talking to you, he, he said, well, Christina Hammer, she beat Christina Hammer. Trust me. <laughs> Savannah Marshall is not Christina Hammer. No, Christina Hammer is a professional model, a professional model who is, you know, fighting Drek at 160 for a lot of those years. Decent champion, okay, for that time period. But Savannah Marshall's a real fighter. She's one of the only women fighters that actually – puts her body weight behind her punch and uses her legs and torques and throws for power. And that's going to be a major, major uh, way this fight goes. Cause Clarissa Shields, her, she doesn't have the greatest chin and her mindset's not the greatest. And she, she's probably not going to engage. So that, that fight is right now uh, definitely going to Savannah Marshall as of right now. Um, and the Vegas judges, I mean, they really or the Vegas lines makers know what they're doing. I'm just very shocked that they put it at a, a pick them. And uh, we'll see. But again, that's like buyer beware on on, on that fight. And and, I, and with that, I'll let you go. And uh, if you have any news on the Dave Tiberi interview, if you end up getting in touch with him or, or whatnot, uh, also, I'd like to hear about that. So have a good have a good night, Mike. Thanks. For, you too, uh, brother. Calling. Good stuff, man. We'll do. All right, bye. All right, let's. Uh, we got a couple more here. Let's knock these out, guys. Let's knock these out. We got eight one eight. You're on the hey, show. Hey, Mike. Um, it's good to hear from you back. Um, now it's episode three hundred one, so we're rolling. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, Bud Crawford. You know, now he's a free agent, and uh, I've been hearing a lot of promoters, specifically Eddie Hearn, saying, you know, you should probably sign with PBC because he can't get him fights. Obviously, Bob Arum had a difficult problem getting him any quality fights. This is my opinion on what he should do. And, you know, take it how you how you want, but I really believe the best option for him is to sign with Mayweather. I mean, hmm. he could be that middleman between him and... and, and Bud is not the guy who loves promoting 
loves to promote his own fights. He kind of just lets things go with the flow. But I think that that would be the best option for him to work a deal to get those type of fights. So I wanted to hear your opinion on that, if, if that would be a good move for him or what move do you think Bud should do or do one-off fights? I mean, I think it's a, it, honestly, it depends on what Bud wants to do. If Bud wants the Spence fight or Ugas, if he beats Spence, Bud's going to have to sign with PBC. They're not going to do one-off deals with him. He's not a big enough name. They'll do one-off deals with Canelo because, you know, that he's a huge name. But the only place he can go to get the Spence fight or, you know, that total unification at 47 is with PBC. Even if he wants to move up to 154, the unified champion is going to be a PBC fighter very soon there. So uh, I just think that if I were him and I were advising his career, that's where I'd go. If he wants to get overpaid and fight weak opposition and kind of travel around the world doing that, he could he could sign with Eddie Hearn in a match room. But if he wants the top fights, he's got to sign with PBC. Now Mayweather is interesting. Um, I don't know what advantage there would be to specifically signing with Floyd because outside of Javante Davis, Floyd, his promotional track record is not very good. You know what I'm saying? Is is a negotiator or something? Fine. Get him involved? Fine. But if if Crawford signs a three-fight deal with PBC, he'll get the fights he wants. It's just the only way. Yeah, it's just it's sad how, you know, he could be waiting on the shelf for so long and possibly you know you're you're gonna wait on a possible Thurman fight if you can get it that's if and then you're also waiting for Ugas and and Spence so I mean how long are we gonna see Bud Crawford you know on the shelf I mean he's granted he's what 35 now so yeah you you don't you don't want to be off too long um it's that or you know either take a fight I mean this is preposterous to take a fight at a catch weight or something or or 47 I it's just not a lot of options for him and it's sad because he's such a great fighter I love watching him he's a great fighter um yeah I'm with you he's one of my favorite fighters to watch but he's also kind of delusional dude he's he doesn't understand his market value and where he is in the sport he is gonna have to make concessions and, and he is the B-side financially against Errol Spence. It, not that Errol Spence is a big star, because he's not. And I think Crawford's a better fighter than him. But in terms of if he if he wants that fight, he has to accept that Spence is going to make more money, and he has to sign with PBC. Yep. It's the only way it happens. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But uh, anyway, that's all my questions, Mike. And uh, I'm actually on the PayPal going to donate to your show. So I thank you so much. Man. And, uh, good luck. Yeah, good luck with the rest of the year. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. I Terrence Crawford, one of my favorite fighters to watch. But man, his career. And people put it all on top rank. No one knew who the hell Terrence Crawford was. <clears throat> PBC, none of these other guys wanted him coming out of the amateurs. His first 10 or so fights, he was fighting on undercards and small small shows and in the middle of nowhere. Top Rank took him, built him, and made him the fighter of the year and a three-division champion, uh, undisputed champion at 140. So for, for all the flaws that Top Rank has and, and Bob Arum, some of the dumb things he said, they made Terrence Crawford. And now Crawford's going to realize very, very soon what his true market value is. Um, 
he's he'll find out. It's gonna find out the hard way. <clears throat> All right, back to the phones to go. Three one seven. You're on the show. I think this is Jack. Is this Jack? Yeah. What's up, Mike? What's up, man? Long time no talk, Jack. How you doing, man? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Been a long time. Uh, congrats on three hundred episodes. That's that's awesome. Thanks, uh, man. And dude, the I don't know if you talked about it but the verification on twitter that's a big deal especially in the boxing community like i don't know any other boxing media member besides like dan Raphael to have that yeah i did that kind of surprised me it kind of came out of nowhere i, I haven't mentioned it i totally forgot about it but um i appreciate it man yeah uh, twitter verified me and I don't know if Instagram and Facebook will but they say once Twitter does some of the other ones usually do I I guess um, I, I guess I'm moving on up in the world. <laughs> so dude like I know it may sound silly but you legit are <laughs> <laughs> Thanks man. like it, it may seem something small but it, no it's actually like a pretty big deal being verified but uh I mean I'm pretty it's basically a sign that like other people are making accounts like fake accounts of yours and oh yeah they've done that yeah i I get people doing that and they they post memes about me and all this kind of shit so maybe you're right that maybe that's why i didn't even think about that but i think you're right man maybe that's why they did it yeah and i wanted to uh comment on uh mostly the fights that are happening this week uh the guy the last guy said uh con is gonna beat kelbrook uh Dude, you want to know what I've been thinking about? Man, Prime Kel Brook before Golovkin was such a good fighter. Like the Sean yeah. Porter one, man. He was the best he welterweight was, in the world at that time. No, yeah. He beat uh, Sean Porter better than anyone else, in my opinion, excluding uh, – <clears throat> well, not even I – don't, I don't know if I would exclude Terrence Crawford because that uh, Crawford-Porter uh, fight was really close the whole way through. And uh, – like Brooke kind of just dominated the whole way and man he had a great chin great boxing skills it was a shame what he did uh with Golovkin because man he was a great fighter yeah you're, you're right he he really was I thought at the time <laughs> the top welterweight in the world <clears throat> I, I was there for that fight between him and Porter and I was very surprised and I was very impressed and I was like damn this dude's legit and no way were any of those other PBC guys ever going to fight him. No way. Uh, he would have been avoided. But maybe we could have got Brooke and Crawford early on. Uh, but, yeah, Triple G just ruined him, dude. Just ruined him. Yeah, and I can't even emphasize how good his chin was because Triple G was hitting him with uh, – if you didn't know, like, uh, Triple G's best punch, his strongest punch is his uh, – overhand uh left from the southpaw stance when he's like switching mm. uh, knocked out veins martyrosian knocked out um steve rolls i was there for that um dude his, he's and what do you call it kelbrook ate it and if you look at kelbrook's uh career excluding taking knees he's never been dropped like even uh shot or terrence Crawford hit him in the eye with like a really good with like a perfect jab and Kel Brook just had no clue what was going on. Like, he didn't go down. He was just on his feet, like, getting pummeled because he didn't know what was going on. Because yep. he has a really good chin, but his eyes are, like, the issue. Like, yep. d- did you remember that it was an eye? It was a shot right to the eye. That yeah, was, I remember that awkward. knockout. It was, like, awkward, and, and you could tell, like, his senses, like, his brain got, kind of got scrambled. And I think that 
it was I think it was Thad that was talking about like scar tissue, pins in his face. And if you hit that the right way, man, that could send like a shockwave. And I think that's what happened. So what happens if if Khan can catch him with something like that? Not that Khan's as good as Crawford, but Khan does have hand speed and he's got long ass arms. So <clears throat> it is possible he could connect, you know? Yeah, uh, I don't know if Khan can hurt him, even though, like, Khan just doesn't have, I mean, he has okay power, like, good. I'd give it like a six or seven out of 10. But Crawford, Ben, Golovkin, those guys all actually like hit, like, really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Like, Crawford, when he puts his ass in the shots and yeah. really, like, sets them up, dude, he hit really hard. Yeah, and he's accurate, and he's got—he's another guy with long arms, and he gets every inch of his length when he throws punches. He he extends. Um, so Crawford just his punches are beautiful, and he has underrated power. <clears throat> and then Golovkin, yeah, at that time, man, Golovkin was just crushing everybody. So uh, when, when I, I couldn't believe Brook fought him, but he just hasn't been the same since then. It just when you get your face broken, that's what happens. <clears throat> All right, so I got some uh, spaghetti, your personal favorite, coming up in a second. And if I write that, your favorite. Well, enjoy your spaghetti, man. You got some meatballs on there or what? What's up? No, no, no. No, no, I was going to say say one more thing before I – Oh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, So, Bibble and Canelo, I know a lot of people are saying that, like, uh, people are talking about Triple G and Canelo if Canelo beats Bibble. Dude, I'm telling you, like, that's such a horrible style matchup for Canelo. I see no way in hell he beats Bibble. Because if you look at, like, real quick, Mike, can you list me Canelo's weaknesses? Like, things that things that Canelo's not good at or, like, he has trouble avoiding. Can you list them real quick? Think about it. I think his biggest weakness, you know, he still has trouble with movers. Um, he isn't the most, the fleetest of foot. And sometimes height could be an issue for him if the right fighter knows how to use their length. Um, but he's a lot of the weaknesses he had five, six years ago, he has improved them. He has gotten better with it. But against Bevel, people are forgetting yeah, that but- at 75, Bevel's a naturally bigger, stronger guy, and Bevel's footwork is good. Here's the one thing about Bevel's footwork, though. He gets in and out real good, but the side-to-side movement isn't always there. You know, that's the one thing. But you're big on Bevel in this well, fight, right? You think Bevel's going to win this fight clearly? Well, well, just listen, listen, hear me out real quick. So I definitely think Bevel has pop. Like, I think he can pop. Like, even though he's, like, cautious. Uh, dude, all of Canelo, personally, I think Canelo has trouble with jabs. He gets lazy and doesn't try to avoid jabs. Would you agree with that? What Canelo does is he looks past your jab and focuses on the rights and the left hooks. He he focuses on the power punches. He don't mind taking a jab and he'll he'll kind of move with it. Yeah. He wants to see your right hand coming so he can roll with it, things like that. That's just his style. Would you agree that Bibble's gonna if this fight does officially happen, that Bibble's gonna jab his head off a lot of the time? I think that'd be the smart play to stay way, way back, keep your head off the line and jab the shit out of him. And then when he comes in, try to catch him with uppercuts, 45s, things like that. Um, Beaver's just got to keep distance. You know, guys like uh, Saunders and and Smith were just not able to keep their distance with Canelo and just backed up. 
and Canelo just marched, just you know, kind of walked him down. Uh, with with Bevel, he can land some shots and get off to the side and and keep Canelo at range. I, I think he could really, really have a good a good chance. Yeah, and also the combination. Bevel is a fantastic combination puncher, and you look at like uh, the Golovkin fights or the Lara fights. Uh, the big shots that Canelo gets hit with are like combination punches. And I don't know if you remember late, like last 10 seconds of the Joe Smith Bibble fight, Bibble hurt him with like a really good combination. He's just like picture perfect in these combinations. Uh, I think Canelo has a weakness for like really good combination punchers and just the footwork mainly. Like footwork, uh, Bibble has fantastic footwork, like absolutely amazing. He's able to move in and out all of his feet. And I think he's going to be way too quick for Canelo. Like if you look at Lara, uh, Mayweather, those guys call, had great footwork and they caused him trouble. And I think Bibble has amazing footwork and he's just a like higher, he's the heavier version of them. And he has a good jab, good combinations. Uh, he has high conditioning. Dude, Michael, I'm telling you, like, there's some fights where I say I'm 100% positive and I'm like, Usyk Joshua was the last fight I said. I told everyone, Usyk's going to win. Michael, I'm telling you right here, right now, if Dimitri Bivol fights Canelo, Canelo's going to lose. Canelo will lose, clearly. Yeah, on the I'm record. You that right now. Hey, you're calling what it you now. So you, you get you get all the credit and all the props if Bivol wins. Because I got to say, you're the only guy that's, that's saying this right now. Everyone says Canelo's going to mop the floor with him. I mean, people in the chat are saying that, you know, uh, TJ in the chat said, you know, Joe Smith hurt Bivol. And that's true. And a lot of people feel that once Joe Smith hurt Bevel, he hasn't been the same guy. So if Bevel wins this fight, you called it. What do you think? What's, what's your prediction for that fight if it happens? You probably think Canelo will slightly edge it. You said that, right? Yeah, right now I think that Canelo, if you look at Bevel's last few performances, he hasn't fought top opposition he hasn't looked great. He seems to have, I don't know if he's just been taking it easy and getting rounds in or he's lost a little steam on the fastball. I don't know. But just look at where these two guys are at right now. I think Canelo can catch Bevel moving backwards with a looping overhand right or a looping hook. I think he'll go down to the body. Don't get me wrong. I like the fight. I think Bevel is going to give him a much tougher fight than the guys at 68 did. But I favor Canelo by decision decision at this point, maybe even late stoppage. I'm going to go decision, though. Interesting, interesting. All right, man, my food's here. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know why I've been – I guess I've kind of just been busy, so I haven't had a lot of time to do stuff. But, yeah, man, I definitely should come back in and check in on the show because, man, I miss doing this. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a long time. Well, enjoy your dinner, bro, and uh, call back in, man. Oh yeah. Take it easy, Mike. Have a good night. Uh, you too, bro. All right. I, that's it guys. Uh, we got all the calls in. So uh, a couple of you guys were on and dropped off. Uh, TJ said, Mike, uh, next time I'll call in. Yeah. Call in TJ. You had some, some good comments here uh, in the chat. I, I agree with you. I think right now Canelo has the momentum. He's the aggressor. He's learned to stalk forward against tall guys. And I think that he's going to do that against Bevel. All that being said, if Bevel could find the form he had in most of that fight against Joe Smith, against Pascal, against Barrera, even some of the stuff he showed against Chalemba, 
Um, he has a really good chance against Canelo. Has he been playing possum this whole time? Has he been taking it easy so that one of these big names will give him a fight? Or is he just not the same guy he was a few years back? Did the Joe Smith fight change him? Canelo will answer those questions for us. All right, guys. Uh, great, great show. And we'll do it Friday on my channel. Friday wrap-up is back this Friday, 5 o'clock. All right? So we'll chop it up after um, we see Khan and Brooke hit the scales. All right, guys. Have a good one. Happy Valentine's Day. Congratulations, LA Rams. Peace.